for me, play life balance is a place where children are empowered through their own playful agenda and where we adults feel comfortable to follow our gut and trust our own instincts. You're listening to the mother of all solutions, stories from mums as they navigate their return to work with me, Laura Broderick. Hello, my name's Adele Cleaver. I am a play worker and the proud author of Children Don't Dissolve in the Rain. I'm a nomadic brummy currently living down by the seaside in Bournemouth with my husband and our two girls. So welcome listeners to Mother of All Solutions. It's now spring 2022, which is fantastic. It's, uh, well, I'm feeling a bit more relaxed and positive now the sun's out. Um, And it's actually Mother's Day today, so we're recording on a a special Sunday for the podcast. And I've got my uh, delightful guest, Adele Cleaver, with me today. So hello, Adele. Hi, everybody. Thanks for listening. Nice to have you here on the podcast. So the episode here today is called The Play Worker um, because Adele, as my guest, is a play worker and is also an author of the book Children Don't Dissolve in the Rain. So we're going to be talking about Adele's experience professionally, personally, and then the book as well. So do you want to just tell us a little bit about play work professionally, Adele, and then we'll talk a bit more about you and your life, um, but just to set the scene of what a play worker is. So uh, play workers advocate for the rights of children, particularly the right of a child to play. We uh, protect spaces for children to play. We create spaces for children to play freely. And we do a lot of advocacy around uh, play spaces, play policy, and uh, making sure that all children, so every child can can play great. freely and it, it's it's great because I've known a few play workers over the years I don't know if I would necessarily have you know known that's exactly what they were professionally but from mm. reading your book and looking back on it I'm like oh yeah that's that's what they were they weren't youth workers yeah, they weren't yeah, the, the early years quite, workers the profession's mm. quite misunderstood and I mm. think that's one of the motivations for writing the book is we're, mm. we're not teachers we're not social workers we're not uh, activists, although we often do a lot of activism, mm-hmm. um, and we don't lead. We we really empower children to lead their own play, and I think that's what people really struggle with is uh, letting children take take the lead. And they're often quite surprised to see adults stepping back. And I, I describe it as not really doing very much. Mm. And actually, there's quite a lot in in us to step back you know we're doing quite a lot a lot of the time reminding ourselves not to be involved not to step in not to intervene yeah and it's a big job yeah no it's a big job and it's super interesting the the book that you've written children don't dissolve in the rain it isn't a manual about play it's a memoir and it's about Mm -hmm. your kind of reflections on how your professional career has impacted your understanding of play and parenthood which is why I thought it was really interesting um you being on the podcast because I think we all need to reflect on these things and I also think it impacts on how we are at work even though obviously your career as a a parent or a mother specifically can seem quite siloed and quite different to how we are in our personal lives it is actually all quite intertwined and there is obviously a lot of overlap in how we act and feel mentally and therefore the decisions we make around family and work so it's actually really relevant to the topic of the podcast and I think unpicking some of that will be really exciting with you so the purpose of today's episode is to I suppose get to know you a bit better and hear a bit more about your story and we'll come to that and your decisions and but also to think about that idea of play and parenthood and you know some of the aspects that you've shared in the book Um, and how that could maybe be useful for us and the listeners here and thinking about how we are as parents and you know just members of a community or just you know humans how we we are and how we we live and work together and so let's let's start with your journey Adele how did you get into play work and what's been your kind of I know you from the book you've had quite a varied career and you've moved around a lot but give us the kind of the sort of if you can a, a bit of a summary of of that So when I was 16, I thought I would travel the world being uh, a journalist, ideally for Guardian Travel or Lonely Planet, um, discovering new places and talking to locals and, you know, helping people get off the beaten track. 
uh, I graduated in the year of the credit crunch in 2008 and mm -hmm. there were no graduate jobs whatsoever. Mm. I um, did a bit of youth work at um, my local youth club back in Brum and uh, a woman that had just recently started a play organisation poached me from them and got me writing bids. Her opening line to me was like, I went to Venezuela in the 1970s. Can you write? And I said, yes, I can write. <laughs> and I'd quite like to go to Venezuela. And I bet it was a lot of fun in the 1970s. And so um, we're still really good friends now. Oh, that's uh, good. Mm. She's kind of like one of my honorary aunties. And um, a bit of a mentor as well, yeah, by the sounds of it. Yeah, huge mentor, mm. yeah, huge mm. mentor. Um, and so my writing really took off on a very uh, persuasive bid writing, sometimes a bit corporate-y, but I really, like, really enjoyed expressing why play was important. Mm -hmm. And I didn't actually do very much play work in the early days. I was, okay. um, I was fundraising. I was sat in the office writing about yeah. all these wonderful opportunities that we could create for children if we were given lots of money. And then we were given lots of money. And I said, right, I want to go and see some of these projects in action. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, oh, I like this way of working with children. I'd never planned to work with children. I'd done a bit of volunteering in uni, um, but it wasn't wasn't something I thought I would do because I didn't want to be a teacher and I didn't want to work in a nursery and I didn't know that there were other ways of working with children that weren't, weren't sort of frontline childcare roles. Yeah. Um, I felt quite anti-establishment at that time. So being back in a school, I didn't really enjoy school or being um, on a very routine nine to five type job didn't really appeal. So, yeah, so play work got me and um, I work with lots of children with high support needs, complex health issues and lots of artists that worked in really imaginative ways to make sure that all these children were included in community play. And it was beautiful and it was incredible. And mm. I've realised it was actually very unique. And so it's been quite difficult throughout my career uh, reliving some of those moments, reliving yeah. some of those ways to play. Um, and I think that's kind of what spurred me on to write the book because there was so much I knew I wanted to do for my daughter. Mm -hmm. And I knew that it was happening, but not on my doorstep. Okay, okay. And now that we live on the south coast of England, um, there's not a lot of play work in in Bournemouth, in, in our city. So it was either right move back to Broome or to a different part of London and and live amongst pay workers and live, yeah. work and breathe play or um, start creating it for ourselves here. And that's what we've done. Perfect. So you've taken your journey around play work, so some of it kind of office based, some of it action, working with children directly in different mm -hmm. contexts, different cities, different places. And now you're bringing that to your newfound home in Bournemouth yeah. with your two children. Yeah. Um, and obviously those decisions around your career and life, they do change. They do. Again, correct me yeah. if I'm wrong, especially once you have kids. So, and yeah. one bit in your book, and I, I will pick up little sections of your book, is you talked about, and maybe you could say a little bit more, mm. um, and you talk quite openly about the good bits and the bad bits of life. You know, it's very yeah. sort of balanced in the book, the way you, you talk about highs and lows. Um, but you do in one section say by the time your daughter was nearly three you were sort of quitting your established part-time yeah. job and um, because you felt that you weren't getting that right balance of yeah. what you were doing so I was in a youth work job then um and I had my second miscarriage and as we left the hospital after the scan I said to my husband I really need to leave that job mm. And I didn't say anything else and he didn't say anything else. And then over the weeks when I was talking to friends and not sure whether I was coming or going, um, I kept on saying, I, I don't know when, but I do need to leave this job because I need to do more play. Like I haven't had enough yeah, play yeah. in my life recently. And I actually, um, I was true to myself in that I was doing a lot of things that uh, were playful day to day week to week like I write quite a lot about can I bring my baby and and doing 
lots of things and just dragging my baby along with me to dance classes, to gigs, to yeah, the pub. Yeah. Um, and so there was a lot of play in my life, but there was something that really wasn't sitting right with me, not doing play as my work, like okay. not going back to okay. play work. And I think that miscarriage kind of gave me a fresh start. Okay. And, uh, uh, and a real like like I needed a reason to leave a job and I think it's you know mm. it's so sad that women uh, we push ourselves oh it's we, so true though we you know yeah. we sort of keep up all these appearances uh we don't want to let people down and so no, for me no, I didn't no. want to let the the youth club down by leaving but I also knew that I was letting myself down by um by staying with them yeah and I think when I found out I was pregnant with that pregnancy I was like oh okay so I'll, I'll just do this job until the end of my maternity leave and then I won't go back and that seemed like a legitimate reason to mm. to not go back to that job and so then when I lost that baby it was like right okay I have to take quite a bold step now mm. and and leave and it it took me six weeks. I wrote the letter. I wrote my resignation letter. It took me six weeks to hand it in. I was only working part time and I had a few weeks off to recover from the miscarriage and stuff. But still, mm. it was like knowing I had this letter in my hand and not not wanting it to hand it over to my boss. He yeah, was really understanding yeah. of it. But um, yeah, it's but funny. Still... It, it, you're so spot on about um, women sort of pushing themselves to the mm. limit and then needing something. And I'm sorry about the miscarriages, but something so sad to make yeah. you stop and really evaluate and take a brave step for you um it's it's true that's like modern motherhood isn't it and it's mm. it's something I'm really passionate about is encouraging people to say no is uh prioritizing rest mm. they're, they're things that aren't encourage so much in mother, modern motherhood yeah and, and that's really interesting because a lot of what you talk about in play is stereotypically like playful you know like kind mm. of fun and enjoyment and joy and happiness and creativity and things words that might come to people's mind if you say play but also you talk a lot about play being about rest and about parenting having rest through allowing yeah. their kids to play more independently and Absolutely. allowing their kids to explore their own agendas yeah. and create in their own way and um so it's really interesting how all of this idea around yeah intertwines mm. yeah oh, it's, it's really interesting you say that Laura because one of the um, the playwork principles defines play as a set of behaviors that are freely chosen personally directed and intrinsically motivated and I really tune into this intrinsic motivation like what do I really feel in my tummy that I want to do right now and we're really good at ignoring that and we're really good at soldiering on and people don't give themselves the time to listen to what they really want to do. Mm. And and that's where I kind of find the parallels between um, what children do. They often listen to themselves. They tune mm. into their intrinsic motivation. It's very, very wrought in them and, you know, often comes mm. out as... I really want to do this, very determined. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, emotionally as well, the, the tantrums, that's all like, I really want to just release this. Mm. And as we grow older, we um, we quieten that. Mm. We push it down inside of us. We, we leave it mm. to brew. And actually... <laughs> If we just get it out of ourselves more often through whatever whatever we feel is intrinsically motivating to ourselves to do. Mm. So it might be like say no to that family lunch at the weekend because you just don't really fancy sitting around a table with 12 people mm. or saying no to um, soft play. I often say no to soft play because I hate Thank God play. the pandemic's ruled out soft play. <laughs> I, know, I mean, right? there's like, you know, there's one of the few things that we can say have come, so, come someone, good out of it. Someone put on Facebook, soft play's reopened. And I was like, they should have just burnt them down. But never mind, you know. <laughs> Some the, people the, love soft play. There's a place for it in the world just not in my world that's what <laughs> once a year maybe that's yeah. it <laughs> um, my husband takes our kids to soft play so they're like oh, I'm, I'm relieved of that yeah tick um, mm -hmm. yeah tick um but you know it's like it, even just saying no to someone popping mm. in for a cup of tea because 
you haven't had a shower yet and your baby's a bit ratty and mm. or like a really good example was in the early days when you have your firstborn mm. and and everybody wants to come and see the baby mm. like come and see the baby but bring me a meal yeah 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 and I yeah. I didn't know that first time round and um our second child now she's 7 months old and I I really was like forceful on that I was yeah, like yeah yeah uh, I honored this 40 day rest we stayed at home I think I went out three times in 40 days and she was born in August so it was you know pleasant weather in the UK and stuff but I was just like no like I'm really listening to what I feel like doing Um, I went in the sea when she was two weeks old because I really felt like going in the sea but yeah yeah other than that um you're more in tune Mm. yeah and Mm. I just think like let's talk about that more and encourage that more rather than mm. rush off to baby group and rush out and buy new clothes for your baby and rush out and show the baby off to the world. Yeah, no, that's... Listen to yourselves more, that's okay. The most recent past episode, um, Kate talked about, she'd had her second child like you, um, mm-hmm. who's now nine months. She okay. talked about that, actually, one of the benefits of not having as many visitors around pandemic life was actually she took that time to just kind of hibernate a bit and you know use that time um hibernation play I talk about that quite a bit on my Instagram hashtag hibernation play cool it's it's just us in our pajamas all day any time of year just when we don't feel like going out there's so much about outdoor play and being Mm. out in nature but there's also so much value in just staying home and mm. and just seeing what your kids get up to not yeah. having to be involved not have to put out activities out on the table or set up a pretend jungle or anything like that just sit mm. on the sofa and just watch what your kids do if you don't say anything to them oh well, I'm gonna have to try it Casper's thing yeah. at the minute is um he quite likes water play which I'm I'm all right with I quite like water play as well mm-hmm. but like he'll he wants to put his plastic animals in balloons fill them with water and then put them in, pop them in the freezer and then oh, when yeah, they come out, like, bash the animal out yeah. of them. I think he must have seen it on YouTube. I know you talk about okay. reducing technology, but oh, <laughs> there is YouTube in our, in our household. Know, there's a lot of power in technology, <laughs> a lot of power in it. Like, lots of things. But um, this section around sort of parents and listening to ourselves... All the love, care and guidance we instilled into our kids, we allowed them to give back to us at a time when we needed it most. Um, So actually kind of like Mm. seeing how you can give yourself space and sort of celebrating ourselves and being proud of our accomplishments on a day-to-day easy level, not just thinking we've achieved the production of something great or a big adventure somewhere, you know, just that sort of day-to-day sort of achievements is and isn't that poignant on mother's day like just it is and just go i just lay in bed this morning i was like wow i grow i grew these two incredible humans and isn't it an honor to have done that and yeah i feel so proud of you know all of us just sat in our pajamas (laughs) i'm really not fussed if we make it out of the house today but um yeah i think It sounds a bit cliche to um, appreciate the finer points. Yeah, no, we should, we should. That's where we're at. Mm. But, you know, all that that stuff around sort of outdoor and which you referenced is really sort of vivid and poignant in the book as well that, you know, Mm. we need to move away from, you know, lots of plastic toys and technology and just get outdoors and do the stuff that kids like doing on a messy, mucky level and building from these loose parts and... um, I know you talk a lot about spaces in the city because you're a city girl, really. I'm you know, a city you, girl, yeah, yeah. But you appreciate the outdoors, and you know, we live in South London, and you know, you reference bits of South London as well mm-hmm. in the book. And you know, we've started to go to a few more things like assembly play, do really good pop-up yeah, play things yeah, in London, yeah. where there is just you know, like hula assemble. hoops. Assemble, oh, sorry. Assemble play, they are on Instagram if you want yeah. to find them. Mm. So uh, assemble play, like, and they have the, you know hula hoops and bits of fabric and 
bits of random yeah. toys. Let's just go back to like plastic toys. Oh, there's come on nothing, then. There's nothing wrong with plastic toys. The volume that they're being created in the world, bit of mm. a problem. The fact that probably there's children working in those factories, also a problem, but not one that we can solve in parenthood. Mm. But something we can do in parenthood is take those toys and put them somewhere completely different. Yeah, yeah. So if your kid really, really likes this plastic figure, why not, like, hide it in a box or put it in the bath with uh, shaving foam and paint and see what happens? Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Or actually... Freeze them, up, like Casper. <laughs> freeze them. Or just lie down on the floor and take a rest and see what your child does with that plastic figure all day because that's what your child really needs to do yeah in in their gut in their brain their intrinsic motivation is to love that plastic figure and and take it on every adventure that probably our emotion our imaginations can't even fathom but Mm. your kid is loving that loving it you know and that's what that's what we want our children to do is just to to love and feel you know a sense of empowerment with whatever they they can get their grubby little mitts on yeah 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 and do things with and I think um we're lucky enough we've got a garden so you know some of those stresses of lockdown life were kind of alleviated a bit by having a bit of outdoor space of our own which I know was a privileged thing and a lucky thing to have but you know we did do that especially at first when the weather was good you know like that bit of spring two years ago right um using different bits in the garden the water play a bit of digging around stuff but I think there's something about and it's another thing you talk about in the the book as well quite a bit the pros and cons of groups you know like baby group Mm -hmm. toddler groups and there is something about collectively when people come together yeah that's different to either your own bit of the park or your own garden if you're lucky enough to have a garden that brings something really exciting and vivid and so actually being able to kind of give spaces for kids and parents to play communally but also adults that don't have children are mm. great a lot of the time at playing mm. with children because they have a different energy. Yeah. And it's exciting and it's um novel for them yeah, yeah, to play yeah. with children. And yeah, they they often don't have the kind of um don't do fatigue. This. Be careful <laughs> yeah, yeah. That. Oh, because they don't have to deal with the emotional repercussions of their of that child getting hurt. Yeah. They're, they're a lot freer. Yeah. And I think parents are always like that like oh for me I think mom's particularly that one step ahead okay if they do that what's going to happen yeah they're going to come screaming to me okay that's going to make me feel have I got plasters and calpol in my bag oh goodness (laughs) yeah 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 um so yeah I do I talk about higgledy piggledy people a bit in my book and that's that's kind of a an ode to the greater community that we live in our our neighborhood doesn't have a great reputation but I trust in that the people that come our way um aren't set out to to harm children in the neighborhood they're the people that want to connect and um my my go-to is to connect through play Mm. and it's a good go-to I think and those ideas of play and rest in your village and supporting each other is quite nicely summarized in a little bit I liked in your book as well so you talk about um a kind of a vision (laughs) so Mm -hmm. groups of neighbors picnicked babies slept while women chatted children charged about teenagers watched from the treetops sprightly grandparents got stuck in whilst older other adults sat and enjoyed the view I got an up close and personal glimpse of how to build village life in cities everyone invite everyone out to play I really like that. I just thought that was really kind of quite special yeah. in the book. That's a nice sort of Thank you. moment. Um, because, you oh, know, it's given me goosebumps. Oh, I know. <laughs> that's it. That's my career. That's how it started. Mm. And is that that's what you're trying to... You said that you moved to Bournemouth. So there was that kind of phase of life where it wasn't quite fitting. And, um, yeah. and then you've moved to Bournemouth and you found that those opportunities to play in the way that you'd seen as really successful uh, weren't quite there and you're now professionally trying to work 
yeah to look for those ways to integrate a a community play organization on, on a very similar model to the one that i did in birmingham oh 12 13 years ago Mm. Uh, it's called big blue play okay um, and we create pop-up playgrounds nice quite simply take a lot of loose parts to uh outdoor or indoor space and encourage people to play Mm. it's fairly straightforward um some people really get it and love it and other people think that it's a jumble sale and ask how much for that (laughs) those wellies how much do you want for those oh that's brilliant um yeah but that that, that's you know that's got its own value Uh, (laughs) and a conversation starter isn't it exactly and after your um immediate hibernation period with your your second daughter who's now seven months Mm. did you start to kind of be part of those play activities again or are you kind of letting other people lead those and taking a bit of that rest further into your motherhood space uh, or I'm in a very kind of torn situation right now I'm trying to decide um how much more I should do how much more is feasible we're also home educating our older daughter okay um because I really struggled with the thought of sending her to school when I knew I would be home with her brand new sister. Okay. And um, I thought, well, she'll be playing in reception at school, so why not play at home? And yeah, yeah. Enjoy those magic moments with her sibling. Um, so for the rest of this academic year, I'm not sure how many more big play sessions we'll do there's a weekly one that happens in a community garden and there's a team of us that run those Mm -hmm. and that's brilliant but the bigger large-scale events there's quite a lot that goes on behind the scenes okay and a lot of the organizers you know it goes back to the thing of oh you adults aren't doing very much Mm. so they don't see the the resources being sourced and us meeting and talking through what might happen if we put out a load of colanders and a bucket of water and will these bits of foam get damaged by that water or shall we put some paint out today how upset will parents be if their children get covered in paint yeah yeah, so a big part of playwork is reflective practice and i think the the reflection is a huge part of what my book is it's mm. a one big reflection and, and yeah the reason Must i wanted quite... to write go on no i was gonna say it sounds like it was quite cathartic as well it reads like as something yeah. that was quite yeah. yeah but i wanted to write it very easy to read very relatable a mm. lot of books on play are written by older white men who have mm. done play academically or mm. you know psychological research or if they're written by women, then a lot of them are from a early years perspective. Mm. And so they're yeah. very educational based. And yeah. there's very little that you can just pick up and read like a conversation mm. mm-hmm. from play or from, you know, child development in general. It's, it's all pretty meaty. Or just your mental health and positioning as a parent who happens parent, to be yeah. a professional in this space as well is nice. Mm. Yeah. So I, that was a... A big motivation for me was to to write something that was more accessible. Mm. You know, it was a starting point. And then if people want to dip into, Mm. you know, the neuroscience of play, go for it. (laughs) I'm heading at the moment. I'm like, oh, I really want to understand more about the brain. Yeah, you're Um, taking it to the next level. I mean, I think what what it gave for me, I mean, I I, I sort of enjoyed reading it just, I mean, I like reading anyhow. I am... And it was easy to read in that sense that you were aiming for. It was quite conversational. Um, there was bits in it that I enjoyed about South London, bits in it I enjoyed about your international experiences, bits in it I enjoyed about your parental experiences, mm-hmm. um, bits in it around sort of city and spaces, which is an, like more my professional kind yeah. of arena than my podcasting okay. thing that I really liked. Um, but I also thought it did make me stop and reflect because obviously whilst we were all at home for the past two years more than ever like I definitely had peaks and troughs of when I had energy to think about play but then that's also 
the wrong way of approaching it because you also need to sort of take it think less about think less exactly and so it stopped and made me think especially like my kids I've struggled with trying to get them to play together Mm -hmm. on things so one's now eight and one's almost four so thinking about things that I might do over the Easter holidays say that might be quite good things that loose parts play that might be quite good for them to almost get them together a bit more but not overthinking it either and not over forcing it and as you say just like you know calming it down and then I think siblings is a really interesting one Mm. because as parents they have both come from us so we assume that they are um going to absorb some of the similarities and and some of the love Mm. And actually, they're two very unique beings, or three, or four, or five, Mm -hmm. however many kids have. Each each sibling is very unique, and um, I'm one of four. Yeah, yeah. And there's 12 years between the oldest and youngest, so we're spread out. And I'm all for mixed age play, Mm. if it works. But I was talking to my mum and my sister about this more recently, and they were like, you guys didn't actually play together very much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. The reality was. Mm. Yeah, and, Mm. you know, we have um, photos of us on holiday where we're all in the same space. Mm. And we have, um, you know, a few memories. Mm. But the reality is day in, day out, we didn't spend very much time together. Yeah, you might have made new friends with other families that were on holiday and you yeah. go off with one kid yeah. from another family, they go off with another kid and yeah. <laughs> and I think, um, you know, especially with social media now, we're, we're very used to seeing these one second snapshots of happy families and this kind of beautiful, serene experience mm. of children playing together and stuff it's not reality like yeah and actually most children will wake up in the morning have very different agendas about what they want to do and I think so as parents if you can kind of that's why I encourage people to stay home and just see what happens in the day yeah, take, yeah. take things very slowly you know not not have a, a Saturday where you've got a nine o'clock class, a 10 o'clock appointment, a 12 o'clock lunch. Yeah, not over-program. Afternoon in the pa- mm. uh, party in the afternoon, all those things. And because then you get to kind of, you know, feel each other's rhythms, see how mm. everyone flows. And I think that's the people that said they enjoyed lockdown the most mm. are probably the ones that cram so much into their, their family time, mm. out and about, doing this, doing that booking things quite far in advance and actually it was really different for them and they were like oh yeah quite like that quite I've, like doing less and I've given myself a reason to slow down a bit yeah yeah and uh, <laughs> well, I've been given about, a reason yeah mm. I've been given um mm. saying no mm. I think saying no is okay and right before lockdown as part of my recovery from miscarriage I did a course called the artist way by Julia Cameron it's a a study book but I did it in a group and um there's a a, I kind of treated the whole 12 weeks as a retreat Mm. and so then I was like right I've had my creative retreat and I I was ready to come out in spring Mm. and and I kind of announced to everyone that I was hibernating through winter don't worry if you don't see me too much I'm I'm going on this this is a conscious decision yeah yeah decision I'll see you in the spring. And then I think I, I was ready to kind of blossom about the second week of March. And then the third week of March, we were all told to stay home. So I was like, oh okay, my I need goodness. to retreat for longer, you know, like I'm going to retreat for longer. And, and and I just accepted that that that's how it was going to be. Mm. Um, but I think because I'd already been on this, this kind of journey of retreat, it just mm. extended it rather than, whoa, this is a really different rhythm different you know dynamic Mm, mm. but those different rhythms and dynamics I think being conscious of is a really good point because like you know we talked a bit about being conscious of play with our own family settings and how we do that but also I think taking it back to the idea of work and that work-life balance or play-life balance you know being conscious of how you're almost playful at work in some ways you know sort of enjoying work and finding ways to allow yourself to bring your whole self to work in 
and another way of phrasing it or even like within parenting spaces allowing yourself as the parent to play alongside the kids or whatever type of play that is and Mm -hmm. as you outline in your book there's many different types of play um but you know sitting back and feeling like you don't have to play with your children and that's okay yeah 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 well we did these sessions in Lambeth um called pens paper parents where the the arts activity was also about the parent doing the arts activity and having time and space to do that whilst your kid was there so it wasn't like you had to pay for a babysitter or find some extra time to squeeze it in but the kids were you know there was spaces for the kids on big sheets of paper on the floor and they could Mm -hmm. mark make and you know get paint all over themselves you know we pre-warned people that was going to be the case and whilst you know you could sit and experiment with an ink or something you might never have used before or you know like have a chance and so that's kind of like playful but within the context of parenting but not you having to do exactly what the kid's doing at the same time and I think that's really important Um, I think it's really really important that children respect that everybody plays in their own way mm, mm -hmm. and by everybody I really mean everybody so Mm. um, Mm. adults I believe do need to play it it Mm. may come across as a a, a different uh, action than yeah. than what we see children doing but I think that's that's really important I just yeah. wanted to go back to the artist way because Julie oh, yeah, Cameron sorry. wrote a book called The Artist Way for Parents oh really and okay so, we'll link um, it in the show notes mm. I haven't done it yet myself but we I should thought, do it oh, together really, Adele <laughs> yeah I thought that was really interesting well I I came across your podcast through the maternal journal oh but and there we go of the maternal journal I also thought oh you know this is play for grown-ups mm-hmm. yeah you know when you sit and or you designate time to do something that you feel intrinsically motivated to do as an adult I class that as play yeah yeah yeah, and yeah. so the more we get that into our our week you know so if that means um having an hour's lunch break at work and doing something totally different in that hour mm. or um if you feel like you'd really like to walk home from work one day, mm. a lot of employers now understand the importance of employee well-being. Yeah, it's definitely becoming more discussed. Yeah, mm. and a lot of employers also—I don't know if it's legal or not—but have to be more flexible about working parents. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, if you need to leave work half an hour early or an hour early, but have a telephone call for part of that walk home to then go and collect your child from childcare or whatever you know there's yeah, ways that you can, yeah, yeah. you can get it into your day as it's discussed it's not you skiving yeah like, yeah yeah I am um, I describe play for adults as what adults do when capitalism doesn't intervene okay yeah yeah so yeah if we can try and be a tiny little bit more anti-capitalist about our days about our working weeks like we go to work to earn money like that's yeah the bread and butter but we can also be a little bit more playful in how we how we go to work. Two things, but that and I kind think of... mums even more so. Yeah, yeah. Because and we're it... always putting our children first and we're always, well, what do they need? Like, yeah. oh, if I get a gold cycle helmet and my kid's going to want a gold yeah. cycle helmet too, possibly. <laughs> or if you give yourself an allowance of a bit of your own time, you already spend like, it's like before you know an hour prepping the food or the washing before you give yourself that hour and it's a bit like you know before you go on holiday from work you do loads of work before you go on holiday you do loads of work when you come back from your your holiday for work you do that with parenting as well if you give yourself that allowance I think sometimes women struggle with this idea of oh but I don't have a hobby like I don't have a thing uh, yeah but actually a lot of what we do that allows us to be good humans and look after ourselves Maybe play is the right term for it if it's not a hobby. Maybe like this kind of like looser. Yeah. I don't know. So, I so don't know. Play is massively undervalued in society. Mm. Like because adults aren't leading it. Mm. And because we don't need to pay to do it. And because we don't need to buy things to do it. Yeah. So that's where I differentiate between activities and hobbies and sports. Mm. Yeah, is yeah. They're always led. There's some rules. Yeah. There's some kit. There's often a financial transaction Mm. 
And yeah. so that's that's why we see that play is is devalued mm. so much of the time. And, and that's kind of why my frustrations, like my bugbears, is, yeah. um, is actually if we put play at the top of the agenda and prioritised play always, mm. then, you know, we probably have like much better well-being scores and our children would be so obese or so mm. depressed and we probably wouldn't be so obese and so depressed. Yeah. And, um, we'd yeah. work a little bit less. Everyone would have a little bit less money in the bank, but... We'd be happier. Um, we'd be <laughs> happier and, you know... Kinder. I, I don't like to keep on bangling on about capitalism, but it's kind of those... When Layers, you, yeah. Yeah, it plays a part. Yeah. Plays part, get it? No pun intended. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm sure. And you talk about like you had time in Sweden, didn't you? And seeing how yeah. their work-life balance is quite a good play-life balance as yeah. well. You know, like that kind of idea of. You but then know. I've also worked with loads of families that really don't have any spare money for yeah. toys. That yeah. don't have spare money for outings at weekends. Yeah, yeah. And and so part of my sort of relatableness is we don't have a lot of spare money in my household mm. we're doing all right but we're doing it on one income and mm. so I don't want this to seem like a privileged thing that yeah yeah only middle class parents can afford for their children like plays not that yeah and, and that's the kind of beauty of it and that's why our pop-up playgrounds are always free of charge that's why if there is a charge on any of our events if a family comes and they can't play, that's fine. Come right. along and play. Yeah, like, yeah, I'm never yeah. going to say to a child, you can't play um, on financial means, you know. But mm, loose but... parts, they're all around the house. They're free. Like people yeah. that worry about not getting that toy for your kid or not getting that like... Mm. Well, I saw this um, this sleepover party set mm. where someone comes and puts teepees and like mm. cute little like station for each child to sleep in. Yeah. And I just thought, oh, you're totally like, um, you're just totally monetizing childhood by doing Den that. building, yeah, yeah. So at my daughter's fifth birthday party, we we hired a hall and ordered some pizzas. Our baby was six weeks old and I was really not pleased about her choosing to have a birthday party. So we mm. had six friends and this huge hall and we put a tent up in the middle of the hall. Yeah, 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 and yeah. And so a five-year-old, a seven-year-old, two nine-year-olds, a four-year-old, a two-and-a-half-year-old, they all just played with this tent. Tent, yeah, And yeah, there was yeah. no kit, you know, it wasn't yeah. some fancy party package, 200 quid here. No, 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 true. It was my friend's pop-up tent that she takes camping with her family each year. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we've still got this tiny tent that, like, when Nat and I were, like, students, we used to, like, somehow fit in because it would fit in our <laughs> backpack and it's like a coffin, to be honest. But, like, yeah. we've still got that. And it's so easy to put up in the garden because it's, like, there's no bits to it, really, because no, it's so no. small. And so I put that out every now and then and the kids love it. I hate getting in it because I feel claustrophobic in yeah. it now. But, you know, for them. So it's completely true. Um, But on the flip of that, you know, those families that you talk about who are struggling to you know buy stuff they're probably also so stressed out even trying to find the headspace to create yeah. be creative about loose parts play is probably really really hard I would imagine I mean that's me projecting so yeah. but I think there's that's why I think still having places to facilitate that yeah is good it's important that, yeah that, that, you know that's why your pop-ups or I know we can be down on groups in some way but those sorts of community Those groups are a lifesaver to a lot of women yeah like yeah. without a doubt i, I yeah. don't um don't overlook the value of them mm. but they didn't work for me yeah because yeah. i really wanted to play in a different way and i think yeah um so there's there's space for it all yeah 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 and also you remember certain people who lead those groups not just the people who are in the groups and the ones that stand out for me and there's some very important women who I've met locally as the leaders of those groups not the mm. other parents in those groups have been the ones that have allowed you a bit of a voice or a bit of time yeah. not just the child yeah um so when I was looking at um 
the numbers for Big Blue Play for its first mm. year of activity and I counted up, you know, how many people had come, how many hours we'd offered out. Um, on our annual report, I I wrote play and respite mm. because I think it's really important that parents recognise mm. their entitlement to respite and to mm. rest. And if they can pair that with play for their children mm. and rest for them, that I think is a really, really powerful offering to families. Mm. Mm. And that's, you know, one of the sort of difficulties I have with this whole Instagram world of setting up activities for your children and photographing mm. them beautifully. Mm. It's like, that's not play. You know, mm. like for yeah. a child, a play is like sneaking over to the kitchen cupboard, sneaking out a spoon, yeah. or empty t- like a tin of beans and rolling it across the floor with a wooden spoon or, yeah, you know, yeah. like whatever they can get there. Or kicking the cupboard like my son might. Kicking the cupboard, yeah. <laughs> no. or, you know, my daughter's really into, she, my, my husband's got gym bands, these big elastic bands that he does yeah. like resistance stuff with she hooks those over the edge of the banister and bounces and climbs up the outside of the banister with oh them wow because she's climbing a mountain yeah 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 you know like just finding things from around the house mm. and so if you know if your family mm. that doesn't have money for toys or you don't have space to store a lot of toys mm. being less precious about the household items that you yeah got yeah 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 and and encouraging your children to use those for play that's it's what a positive. I really like. Yeah. yeah, we've just been away for a few weeks, and we've been staying in lots of different places. And and my husband was like, "You didn't pack any toys," mm. and I was like, "Yeah, I did all the packing." Mm-hmm. That says something, doesn't it? Why yeah. is it my job to pack the toys? Yeah. But also, I was no like, comment. Every, everywhere we'll go, there will be something to play with, without a doubt. You know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And I have no no um preoccupations about Mm. that children will always play when given time and space yeah 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 and they'll they'll find a way yeah i was on a train with two eight-year-olds on friday night which was quite funny they yeah they had their food on the train and then they had a bit of like looking in a book time and then they just started doing silly stuff and you know at the end of the day they weren't being (laughs) super loud and i i was enjoying and i was like you know it's Friday night, you know, Friday nights in my mind as a Geordie party night. So I'm like, uh-huh. you know, Friday night <laughs> is all right. If there's a few people on the train who might think yeah. they're being a bit giggly, it's all it's right. All right. It's, it's Friday, Friday night. night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, they do, they do find ways to play. And I'm sure I'm very guilty because I like, you know, you talk about play not being the end product, etc. And I get that, but I also quite like an end product as well and I can't get away from it because I'm not doing it to show off I just can't get away from it because I've been trained that way Mm, over my education I've been conditioned that way yeah yeah (laughs) Um, and you know I'm not pointing the finger and saying hey no I know I know but Mm. I really encourage people and that's where the reflective practice side of play work comes in to just be aware of that yeah to be conscious of it yeah to be conscious of it what does that make you feel how can you intervene less like Mm. what can you let go of in that situation Mm. and I think the more we let go of the kind of more we the more good stuff we take on board yeah I think so too and I think actually that's a really lovely note to to end our chat Adele I mean I think there's probably lots more we could chat about and as I say I did highlight lots of things in your book that I haven't had a chance to to reference but I'll um link within the show notes to the book so it's children don't dissolve in the rain and Adele how can people find you in your sort of social media spaces social media I'm at Adele Playworker on Instagram on Facebook, I am Adele Playworker Cleaver. Our group is called Big Blue Play. Mm-hmm. We're on Facebook and Instagram at Big Blue Play. I really like private messages. Okay. I love a good chat. If you want to just like arrange a half an hour Zoom to talk about play, I'm well up for that. Perfect. People keep on telling me I should start like a Patreon or some kind of... There's a Matreon now. You don't even need to use the, the oh, P. Really? You can use an Ooh. M. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, there might be some sort of online community happening in in this next year. Oh, fab. But mm. we'll see. Um, yeah. 
I'm, I'm still sort of on maternity leave and I'll probably keep on saying that for the next two years to excuse well, myself let yourself. from doing too much work. But um, No, 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 no. It's work in its own way. So, yeah, you know. If you've got questions, feel free to ask. And I just ask the listeners, if you do like my book, like please review it, share it, send it on to other people because I self-published it. It's, um, well, it's a well labour of for love. That. Yeah, yeah, it's a labour of love. And I just want, if it, if it helps one parent which I know it already has done I think it could probably help probably 10 more so let's let's yeah spread the love okay and I will put the links to all those things you've mentioned so it's much easier for people to just click through a link so that would be great and so and the other thing I was going to mention obviously mother of all solutions podcast this is one of a series um so if you have enjoyed this one do listen back and something I would recommend it's not directly a play conversation, but the radical childcare episode from last year mm. talks a lot about um, not just issues around affordability of chi- childcare, but it talks a lot around access to childcare in a different frame. So yeah. radical being like, well, how do we promote childcare that's playful, respectful, yeah. open, you know, so all those things. And, and yeah, and some of those spaces and pop-ups and ways of playing with loose parts or giving children independence are referenced in that. So you might also enjoy that episode. And Can if I you also just say about mm. the parent journey podcast which I was a guest oh yeah of course you can tell us about that 20 something episodes I joined a lovely dad called Patrick Morrow and we talk quite a lot about creativity and he's an artist he's a former teacher he's got two grown-up kids now okay um we had a really a lot of really good feedback about how it helped parents kind of reframe being a parent and, mm. and taking the pressure off parenthood. So if you you like what you've heard today and want to hear more, I encourage you to go and track down the Parent Journey podcast. Yes, definitely. And it's again, one for dads as well, because they can listen to a man talk about it all too. Yeah, no, that's really good to have both voices within that. So I'll mm. link to that as well in the show notes. Thank you for listening. And as a sign off that Adele sometimes uses, yours playfully. Me, Laura Broderick, your host of Mother of All Solutions, and from my guest today, Adele Cleaver. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the sunshine and stay well. Bye. Thank you. Bye.